HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. This is the 192nd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a super inspiring travel entrepreneur, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a wanderlust. Travel for inspiration, to discover and learn. Open your eyes to new things, new destinations, new foods, new cultures, new languages, and new scenery. We can learn so much from getting out of our day-to-day living and seeing the world. Travel can not only enlighten, but it can bring a fresh perspective that will lead to great ideas and results. So take a trip, near or far, and get inspired. Discover your true north. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest here with me in the studio. It's Pavia Rosati. She is the founder and CEO of a travel startup, Fathom, which combines personal stories and destination guides with travel resources and products. Prior to Fathom, Pavia Pavia spent nine years as executive editor at Daily Candy, and before that, she was for four years at America Online as the director of the Entertainment Channel. She has written for many publications, including the New York Times, Financial, Financial Times, and Departures, and I'm super excited to have her here. So welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's great traveling out to to. Bushwick, Brooklyn. We, uh, and having terrific pizza. Let's not forget that. Yes. We just had a terrific pizza. We really did. Yeah, I can't believe it's my first time at Roberta's, but <laughs> it is, I'll admit it. I, I would like to uh, take a little credit in getting you out here, which is, you know, which is great. So uh, Yes, I am not, however, the Manhattanite who fears Brooklyn. So when my friends say, oh, oh well, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm like, the subway goes everywhere. I just, <laughs> you know, I just haven't made it here. I'm, there's always the list of things that you would think are the places you've been to. Yeah. And travel's the same way, right? Like, I've never been to Tokyo. Wow, I've been to one you haven't. You've been to a lot that I haven't. I've never been to Oslo, and you just got back from Oslo. True. Yeah. True. But if we play this game, you might you might outdo me <laughs> long <laughs> enough. We go long enough, but and we'll get into that. So, because how you got into travel and 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 creating 
fathom. So let's let's back up a bit and your background and and how you got started with your career with some internet related jobs. Did I thank you for having me as a guest yet? I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> you're, um, you're very welcome. Thank you for, for, for being here. So I sometimes joke that I'm an internet dinosaur because I've been working in digital media since um, 1996, which uh, was the year that the internet discovered media. That's not the official name for it, but that was when um, a lot of news companies started to pay close attention. So I worked for News Corp's, News Corporation's very first startup, which was such a microcosm of everything that's good and bad about digital media. It went through like 50 names, 70 visions, um, and a massive layoff within six months. Um, but it was super fun, and that uh, set me off on the path. And this was a time when nobody really was, I mean, this is the first time anybody was doing anything in digital media. And the thing that qualified me for the job was I had an email address. Wow. Yeah, when I worked at the Village Voice, Echo, which was sort of the well for the East Coast, anybody under the age of 30 who's listening is like, what foreign language is she speaking? But um, I'm with you, though. You're speaking so, my language. So these are sort of, we're, we're talking like OG, 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 um, pre-internet 2.0 stuff, pre-internet 1.0 stuff. Anyway, um, so I was working at the Village Voice, and Echo gave everybody who worked at the Village Voice a free email account. And so that was how I first learned about the internet and digital media. And um, it's funny, a lot of the things that make the internet wonderful and weird... Um, we're all there at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's how I started. So that's how I started in digital media. Um, and that job led to a different job. And then that job led to working at AOL for four years. Um, after AOL, I went to Daily Candy for nine years. Um, and I've been at Fathom <clears throat> for seven, 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 eight, seven I'm losing track of time. So the funny thing is, you know, the internet is a space where there's massive turnover in jobs, but I've essentially, I stay at jobs a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little about Daily Candy because that really changed a, a lot in in the the media landscape. Daily Candy, I'm so happy that I was able to be part of Daily Candy. I mean, it was a fluke. I knew Danny Levy because in... And, you know, we were we were friends. We used to socialize. We hung out in similar circles. And um, before she launched in 1999, there were not a lot of girls who were hanging around at Odeon on Friday night who knew what digital media was. And so um, I subscribed to Daily Candy because uh, our friend James Sanders, who used to throw all these incredible parties at his Tribeca loft, had at one of the parties a big computer monitor set to the sign-up screen. And everybody at the party just entered their email address then because email was still new and exciting. And so you wanted to get email back then. And um, so that's how we met. And I was still working at AOL at the time. Um, I don't remember where I'm going with this. Where am I going with well, this? Well, I was talking oh, about so how yeah. Daily Candy, you know, changed changed everything. Daily Candy really, <laughs> you know, without Daily Candy, there's no Refinery29. There's no Goop. There's no Thrillist. There's no Tasting Table. I mean, so many of these newsletter businesses... Um, took the Daily Candy model and DNA and they've evolved the business and they've done great interesting things and gone off in different directions but you can really see the Daily Candy DNA in a lot of these very popular lifestyle digital media companies um, and I was on the early team I was the first editor that they ever hired at Daily Candy and you know I can still see the stuff that we created just because we're like okay what would be good um has become the, the industry standard. Yeah, true. And as, as a publicist who mostly works with restaurants, I mean, back, back then, I just, it was, it was like to get your client covered on Daily Candy was a huge score. It was a huge score. You know, it, the, the media landscape was different then, though. There was a lot less stuff competing for your eyeballs and for your attention. Um, so it was easier to break through. Yeah, true. You know, I just saw today, and I don't know if you saw this, but Christine Mulkey is starting a new newsletter. Yeah, I got okay. that email also. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, 
like things have changed, but in the same time, they haven't, you know, or they've influenced, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, d- media goes through phases. So I remember in the 90s, zines were a huge, huge thing. And if you wanted to do a creative project, you would start a zine. Yeah. Um, and now like, people then did blogs and we've moved on from, you know, personal blogs to a certain extent. And so um, the newsletters are really nice because you don't have to remember to look at a newsletter because it just comes to you. It just comes to you, right? You know, I can forget to read a lot of magazines and the the magazines can pile up. I'm never going to forget to read my email. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, which is why I have 16,000 unanswered emails in my inbox. So... What inspired you to start Fathom? You know, so I was at Daily Candy for a really long time. I took the job. I told Danny I would stay there for three months. And then I tried to quit after five years. And they said, no, no, don't quit. And so I ended up staying close to nine years there. Um, And I loved it. I would get other job offers, which was incredibly flattering, for more money, but the work just wouldn't have been as good. I mean, we're talking about this at lunch. You do things for love, for money, for exposure. And Daily Candy was really, it was love. I loved my colleagues. I'm still so close to so many of them. I started Fathom with Gerilyn Gerba, who was a very beloved and very dear colleague at Daily Candy. Um, I used to do all the hiring at Daily Candy. When we would launch cities, I would go to the markets. I would interview you know, a bunch of candidates and everybody who I hired, I used to tell them, this will be the best job you ever have. I'm like, you won't make the most money doing this, but when you look back on your career at 60, 70, 80, you will look back on this as like a golden era. And it really, it really was that. It was incredibly special. We all got along really well. It was, it had a great mission. Like we just, our mission was to celebrate, um, was to find and celebrate great talent. And so when it came time to leave Daily Candy, there were some of the things that I loved about it, like finding, dis- finding, discovering, celebrating that I wanted to keep doing. But the challenge with Daily Candy was it was really, really trendy, right? Mm-hmm. I remember somebody would pitch me, hey, I have a new restaurant. And I'd say, when did it open? And they'd say, two weeks ago. I'd say, oh, it's old. <laughs> yeah. And I would catch myself. Yeah, right. You were on the receiving <laughs> end of that. Um, and so I realized, you know... New wasn't always great. So when I was thinking about, when we, were th- when we were setting up Fathom, we're like, well, how do we want it to be different? The focus was not going to be on new and trendy. Because the thing about travel is, um, it, if you've never been to Berlin, what do you care if that restaurant is eight minutes or 80 years old? If it's amazing, it's all new to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so to get back to your original question, which I am keeping track of, of what <laughs> inspired me to do this, I realized, so at that point, I mean, I was already calling myself a digital dinosaur, and that was a long time ago. I realized the internet makes everything in my life easier, from buying books to, um, well, I don't use dating apps, but, you know, to, to finding love. I mean, the internet can make everything easier for you. What the internet wasn't solving for my life was my travel stuff. So the internet is great at telling you the cheapest plane ticket from London to Beirut. But then what it wasn't really good at was, okay, once you're in Lebanon, should you go to Jordan or should you go to Syria? And this is a true case story, right? I was trying to figure out a trip to Lebanon. And I just realized, you know, there should be a better way to do this. And even the travel websites that, I, you know, were affiliated with magazines that I liked and trusted, they had too much stuff. And so I would type hotels in Paris, and I'd get 250 options back. And I was like, this is too much. This is too homework. So I started to think about what would, the travel, what would my perfect travel website look like. And this was the seed of Fathom. And, you know, Gerilyn was the first colleague that I told about it. And so she started to scheme things with me. Um, and what I like about the beginning of Fathom is I don't remember which, was my, which were my ideas and which were Gerilyn's. I'm sure she had the better ideas, <laughs> but um, it just it just seemed to be really easy. I mean, we didn't launch this to make money. We didn't launch this with a really solid business plan, which you can ask me penetrating questions about later, and I'm going to have bad answers. Um, but what we did set out to do was build the website that was missing from our life as travelers. And, you know, what we hear from people... A lot is, oh my God, thank you, finally, a website for me, a travel website for me. And that's incredibly gratifying. 
That is a perfect thing to end this little segment on and leave leave us thinking because I feel exactly the same way. Well, that's very nice of you to say. So Thank we're going to take a little break and uh, come back and talk more with Pavia. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Pavia Rosati. She's the founder and CEO of Fathom, which is a travel website inspiring journeys all over the world. So for people who aren't as familiar with Fathom, how is how is the site set up and how do you how are you adding destinations and, and content, mm-hmm. yeah. which you have been since you started? Yeah, you know, so it, it's a travel website, right? It's not that hard to figure out how do you set this up. People go to a travel website for one of two reasons. I got to go to London. Help me figure it out. Where do I stay? What do I do? I'm there on business, so where can I go by myself and not feel like a dummy? Or people go to a website because they say, I don't know, I have two weeks off. I like food. What should I do? And so we set up the site according to th- these verticals, right? So you can go and you can look for des destinations. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to fathomaway.com slash destinations, you'll see North America, Europe, and you click where you want to go. And then you drill down to see what we have covered on Florence or Dublin or Madagascar or Delhi. And then another big section, another main section of the site is inspiration. And on the inspiration site, the setup is I travel for the dot, dot, dot. I travel for the is a really big theme at Fathom. I travel for the food and drink. I travel for the family. I travel for the adventure. I travel for the thrill, right? And so, and then the third section of the site is the practical, useful in information about travel. What are the best budget airlines? Um, which is the best travel credit card to have, right? And so we always say that we mix the inspirational with the practical. So we'll not only tell you about a fantastic remote island off the coast of Brazil will include a link to the ferry schedule so you can figure out how to get there. And we try to organize the content. You know, any good website will kind of be able to anticipate what do people want. So, you know, uh, we can get it. So Daniel Ballou um, wrote one of our earliest stories about a trip that he took to Bordeaux. You can find that listed under France, mm-hmm. or you can find that listed under I travel for the food and drink. So we try to sort of anticipate what people need and deliver it to them however they are looking for it. And the idea behind who our contributors are, you know, we work with tons of people from all over the world. Some of them are writers who I've had a relationship with since Daily Candy. Um, Christina Oli is a contributing editor, and I don't ever want to work anywhere where I'm not able to collaborate with her because she's the best. Um, and some people are readers who have written in and have become regular contributors, regular contributors just because they're like, I like this. I want to be part of this. Um, you've written for us many times. You do. You have this whole sort of mini series on your incredible solo adventures everywhere, you know, bungee jumping in Queensland, Queensland New Zealand, taking yourself out to the French Laundry <laughs> in Napa. I mean, you have a big smile on your face, but that what we're able to create at Fathom is this environment where people can just share their great travel stories. So I don't necessarily need a 4,000 word essay on the definitive state of Berlin today. Sometimes the best travel advice comes from a friend, a cool friend who's just an interesting traveler who just got back and they're like, oh, let me tell you what I did in Kreuzberg or let me tell you about this fried chicken restaurant that was amazing. And that's a lot of the spirit that we want to capture. We want it to feel like 
you're reading something from your trusted good friend. That's it. Yeah, no, I'm smiling because I'm very proud to be a contributor. Oh, that's and so nice of you. Thank you. No, I really am. As as uh, and I've most yeah, my beat is is really solo dining and travel, which I do the most better of. than almost anybody I know. I Aww. gotta say, thank you. But it's like it's so it's rewarding to me to be able to share my experiences and and have them a part of of your your whole database and, and all the stories because I've also as as someone who does travel a lot I I mean I I remember I was booking I was going to Sicily I knew nothing about Sicily and I'm going through Fathom's website and and finding interesting stories and I ended up staying at this uh the the slow um the slow food uh, hotel that I stayed at was Monaco della Terranere yes uh-huh. you're brilliant <laughs> <laughs> And I would have never said it that well. well but I stayed there due to finding it. Yeah. Someone on your site wrote a beautiful story about staying yeah. there. We have so, a, yeah. Um, yeah. So now I'm the one who's got a big smile on my face because this is the stuff that I love to hear, right? I mean, what we don't do at Fathom is that incredibly lucrative clickbait bullshit. The top 30 places to see before you die. I mean, you know, shoot me before you ever see me descend to that. And if we did that, we'd probably make a lot more money and be, but, you know, but at what cost? We're really yeah. proud of the product that we created. It's not clickbait. It's not trendy. It's, it's I mean, I don't know. Listen, it, I think it does a disservice to people. Um, it does a disservice to readers. And I don't ever want to do that. I want, you know, I, I have smart readers. I want to treat them like they're smart. Yeah. No. It's, it's Everybody great. knows there's no such thing as a secret hidden beach in Mexico. There is nothing secret. There is nothing hidden. If you click on those headlines, you're just, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> How often are you traveling? It depends. You know, if I didn't, um, maybe once every six weeks, maybe once every six to eight weeks or something like that. Yeah. And is it for the purpose of, of covering something on the site? Almost or Almost, almost always. Okay. Yeah, almost always. You know, the problem with um, running the business is that the last thing I ever get to do is um, write about the trips that I take, <laughs> which is um, something I'm working to correct. But um, no, I've been to some un- unbelievable places. Um, you know, it's a mix. I have, I have a husband who I'm crazy about, and um, I don't want to go to too many amazing places without him. Um, but he can't travel with me when I'm working because it's actually not a holiday when I'm working. Like I hit the ground running. I'll see 12 hotels in a day. I'll have to go to like have four different lunches and power through them. Like there's no, oh, let's just sit and linger and read a novel in this really pretty setting. No, I'm working. I don't have time to do that. So, um, you know, I, I sometimes joke, I don't know what it's like to travel without a notebook. And there are very few places on earth that I can go to where I really just shut my brain off and shut down and just totally chill. Um, yeah, because uh, I know people listening were like, cry me a river, sister. Really? You get to go to Australia and it counts as work? So I understand. It's a very, I have a really nice, nice, nice gig. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can relate because people. Oh, yeah. People say to you all the time, oh, you eat out for a living? How great. And sometimes you're like, I just want to make myself a roast chicken. <laughs> I know, I know. That's for us. Um, Fathom Travel Concierge. Yes. Tell, tell, tell me about that a little you bit. You know, we kept hearing from people, oh, it's great, I go to Fathom, I read one article, and I'm done, right? Because that's, that's hugely important to us. Um, you know, my process of researching trips, I would end up going to like 85 websites to narrow it down to like the 10 things I needed to know, right? So we thought, why not just deliver you the 10 things that are having make you, without making you click on 85 things, right? So we, so we like to deliver very concise, um, good stuff. So what we kept hearing from people was, oh, it's terrific. I can come to Fathom. It's my one-stop resource. But it's really boring that I have to go someplace else to plan it. Can't you just do it for me? So we've dipped our toes into, you know, booking trips and being a concierge and really taking the ideas and helping people transform. I read an article about Sicily to, okay, make it happen for Mm -hmm. me. Make sure I have a good room. Make sure I can get free Wi-Fi, get an upgrade if it's available. Um, And so we partnered with Ovation to do this because 
Booking is an entirely different beast. I mean, it's one thing to be a restaurant critic. It's a whole other thing to know where to order your mozzarella so that it's consistent and it's always fresh, right? So it's a similar sort of thing. Another parallel that I use all the time is it's like the difference between a fashion designer and a fashion stylist. The fashion designer is really what the travel agency, what the travel advisors are the best at. And then we style the trips. We will talk to somebody and bring a journalistic sensibility to, oh, you know what, this is a cool boutique hotel that we saw that we're just reading about, um, and really help to style the trips based on what we're hearing from people. Yeah, I think it's great you're offering that. Another thing I saw on the site that's, I don't, I think it's new-ish, is travel awards. We launched that this year. Yeah. Okay. We used to always do something called, you know, the 24 best, the 24 best travel blogs and websites, the 24 best Instagrammers to follow. And um, 24 best is cute, but nobody really understands what that means. And so we just, you know, focused this year on the program of the Fathom Travel Awards because that's what they are. So we've done... um, the best foodie escapes, we've done best off-grid retreats, we've done um, travel products is going up today or tomorrow morning. Um, Yeah. Cool. Let me ask you my question I had for my last guest. Okay. Episode 191, I had on Donnie Medea. Yeah. He is the founding partner of One Off Hospitality, which is based in Chicago, about a dozen amazing restaurants there. So he wants to know, do you like the south or north portion of Puglia better in Italy? And he noted that he loves Italy and he loves that area, but he was hoping you'd been there and had some insight. I have been to Puglia. Um, you know, I, um, I think it's funny that he thinks there's such a huge difference between the north and the south. Um, I haven't been to Puglia in a really long time, and there's an incredible hotel called Borgo Ignazia, um, run by this fantastic guy called Aldo. Um, and I've been dying to go for years and years and years. Um, I stayed when I was in Puglia at this unbelievable hotel called, um, La Madonna di Constantinopoli. It is a former monastery, um, a former convent rather that has been Monastery, convent, il monastero. It's, so that's monastery, but I'm pretty sure that it was a convent. Anyway, <laughs> it's been transformed into this exquisite boutique hotel. This pl- Don't try to Google it. This place is so cool, they don't even have a website. And uh, they don't even have an Italian phone number. The woman's English cell phone rings. So Lord McAlpine, um, who was a member of parliament and this incredible traveler and explorer, filled this old Italian monastery with all of the treasures that he found all over the world. So it was like a museum of African art and literature. Um, it was amazing. It was, it's one of the most beautiful, memorable hotels I've ever been to and stayed in. Um, and it was after a week of traveling with my best friend, Julie, that we went there and I wasn't feeling that well. So we had these huge dinner plans, um, ended up scrapping them and just sitting in the house, they had a salon that had a record player and we played records and read books and I pretended that it was my home and that's one of the best nights I've ever spent in a a hotel. So Puglia is unbelievably beautiful and charming and um, the seaside is, it kind of looks like Ireland. It's like rolling hills. I was there and I was like, this is Italy? It doesn't look like any Italy that I've ever known or seen. Lecce, which is... um, the big city at the heel is this beautiful Baroque, just jewel. Um, and what's nice about Puglia is it's a little, it's still a little desolate. Um, so it's great. Um, Donnie, I'm with you. I think Puglia is a great <laughs> place to go, but I'll take it all north and south. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I love Italy too. I need to plan my next trip. <laughs> so before we take a break, what's, um, What's next for Fathom? What are anything you're... What is next for Fathom? We're launching a podcast Ah. called Way to Go, which we're super, super excited about. We're going to be doing this on iHeartRadio, and um, that will be launching very soon. We're really excited about that. Fantastic. Welcome. Thank you. And then we just finished um, a book this summer that will be published by Hardy Grant in April called Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, you've been busy. 
<laughs> We've been busy and we're launching Fathom Escapes momentarily, which is a separate newsletter-based product that delivers unbelievable, unbelievable um, rates and special, special rates on luxury hotels all over the world. All right. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Pavia Rosati, and it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I, I name a few things, and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Chocolate. All right. You got the test one done perfectly. Thanks. <laughs> You're good to go. All right. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Uh... Four nights of one, three nights of the other. Love it. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Wine, wine, wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Mm, probably a la carte. A couple years ago, the answer would have been tasting menu, but increasingly a la carte. I don't want to ask why, but uh, it's speed round. <laughs> we'll get to that We can later. talk about that after. All right. How about um, small plates or large plates? Large plates. Unless we're talking about appetizers, because I like appetizers. I can make a meal of several appetizers. But the tapas, I think tapas and small plates, like, oh, let's have small pl No, I think that's a con. I don't like that <laughs> dining trend <laughs> at all. Communal table or chef's counter? Mm. Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. I really, I can't wait until everything is all-inclusive. All righty. Yeah. With the option to give more if you want to, yeah. but yeah, done. Window seat or aisle? Window. I'm a window girl. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see where I'm landing. Yeah, I like taking yeah. pictures and snuggling up in the corner. <laughs> How about uh, planes, trains, or automobiles? I like them all. I love driving. Um, planes take you farther, and there's nothing more romantic than... A European train ride. Great answers. Thank you. <laughs> Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Cheese plate. Cheese plate. <laughs> Even though you had chocolate at the beginning, but okay. That was a different you know, different question. Totally. I, I just don't have a sweet yeah. tooth. I you know, yeah. I'm I'm not sweet, I'm salty. I joke about that when I'm asked for dessert. And I never I, I don't ever want to end the meal on a sweet note. I want to end it on a salty note. I feel like I feel like that's People are sweet or salty. Yeah. I'm more of a sweet. So, Listen, when it's 11 at night and I just want a pint of mint chocolate chip ice cream, I'm definitely a sweet person, but I don't need to end a meal with dessert. Got it. Last one is Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. I'm a Manhattan girl. But I'm not, as I said at the beginning not of the show, of Brooklyn. I'm not afraid of Brooklyn and I love Brooklyn. Yeah. That was great. This is a fun speed round. Thank you. I, you know, I've been playing this game on my show for a while now, and it's always entertaining to me, at least. Every an I'd never heard that was a new one on the uh, how many days a week eat in and eat oh. out. That was an original, <laughs> not done before. <laughs> so, industry news. Okay, the article I picked out was on Eater, and it's titled 
what's up with all these sexual Instagram posts by fast casual restaurants? And this is by Kayla Kamara Upahadia. I just thought it would be interesting to talk with you about this with Instagram and social media and things that have changed. And, you know, it pointed out a few a few restaurants, uh, namely uh, by Chloe, which did really uh, kind of started started this movement of of restaurants having really um, innovative, interesting I guess they have the sexual connotations in yeah. them of, of Instagram accounts. But I looked, they now have 121,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's some new places, Village Den and the Pastagram that they're Pastagram. talking about. Pastagram, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the Eater article focused on these restaurants that have, that post sexually provocative photographs on their business feeds. Yeah, I hated this article. I hate this trend. I think this is bullshit. I I actually find the whole food on in Instagram thing. I mean, the idea of standing in line so I take a picture of a milkshake. I I, I just I I I really don't get it. I don't understand what the thrill is. Um, it's just not my thing. I take pictures of food. Um, and anybody who follows me on Instagram is like, Pavi, you posted a picture of spaghetti today. What are you talking about? And I know, right? Um, but I kind of always feel like a dope when I do it, even though I do it more than I would like to. Um, listen, you know, I read this and it made me think, I always wonder, like, if you have to put these sexual photos up, is your food really that good? I don't, I, I'm not a prude. I got no problem talking about, thinking about, looking at sexually provocative things. But I also feel like there's a place for it. And a restaurant's Instagram feed isn't really it for me. Yes, you put cheese whiz on a banana. Clever, clever, clever you. I hope you <laughs> feel proud of yourself. Stupid. I just think it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I take pictures of food at restaurants and I post all the time and I look at it for me as it's a, it's a part of what I do, my job sure. and my yeah. my love of the industry and my support of the industry. I feel like it's more like I'm a PR person for all these restaurants where I'm giving like a cheerleader. I'm yeah, giving them my sure. shout out. Um, the Instagram, but it's interesting as a you know, looking at what's happening with Instagram and everyone's taking pictures of food now. And then these accounts, I mean, what struck me with this article was this, this new place pastagram that just opened. It was, they're quoted in here saying that they're not going to post photos of the food itself because they're presuming that the diners are going to, going to do that. And so they're just, they're assuming the consumers are going to do the work for them as far as like getting what their food looks like out there. So they're taking this other approach. And didn't the spokesperson also say sex sells and we just want to get our name out there and we just want to promote ourselves. I thought that was a shockingly honest admission. So I applaud their honesty there. But again, yeah, lame. You know, there's this one other, I don't want to name names, but there's one other restaurant that opened and it, they so clearly designed it to be photographed. And a lot of places have now. Yeah. I know. I think yeah. it's just, listen, it's a consideration, but I think it's lame when it is so overt. I think have it be one element of what you're doing, but have, you know, have great sound design be an element of what you're working with also. Like these other, you know, these places that I walked into that are just so clearly trying to be Instagram bait. Anything that tries too hard is just unappealing. Yeah, I I agree, and I'm. It's interesting to watch, and and I'm a part of it too as a publicist, marketing, social media person. But it's and and to see what restaurants and and consumers are doing. Um, you know, this conversation is going to be different a year from now. It's you know, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens and how things change. But um, and it's certainly it's the it's the it's the thing that people are doing right now and the thing that people are ob- obsessed with. So yeah. yeah, and I also don't know as far as the amount of likes and that you're getting on photos, like what traffic that is bringing into the restaurant. Because I think about. Those people that are maybe liking these photos, do they live in New York City? Can they actually go to this place? Right. I mean, you know, there is, and 
So you may, you and I may have an excessive number of food photos in our feed because we follow a lot of food people, right? If we were um, as interested in fashion as we would be in food, we'd see a million pictures of like pretty girls with big floppy brimmed hats just standing with a pair of jeans. And then you're like, a hundred thousand people like this stupid basic photo. Why? <laughs> Whatever. I think people, I think, you know, people scroll the gram and it's super mindless to just tap, 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 tap. It's hollow. It's the most meaningless thing. It's like, it's like just eating M&Ms. It's not, M&Ms are delicious, but they're not a quality snack. Fantastic. I sound super old no, fashioned and fusty don't. and fussy right now. Uh, no, you don't. You don't. And I, I'm, I'm with you. So before we take a break, I just the other article I picked out was really just an announcement. I, I figured give it a little shout out. In the New York Times, a new director for International Association of Culinary Professionals, which is IACP. So Tanya Steele is um, taking over as, as the new director. And she had spent many years at Condé Nast, worked with Michelle Obama. She was at Epicurious. Um, I think it's exciting for IACP to have have her in there. I think it's terrific. I want more journalists to have good jobs. Yeah. Tanya's a terrific girl. I know her very slenderly, but she, um, everything I know, I like. Yeah. Ditto. All right. Well, congratulations, Tanya. And uh, we're going to take one more break, come back and do my solo dining experience, and then we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. Okay, so this week, it's at MIMO. Here's the rundown. The location. Schweigard's Gate 15B, 0191, Oslo, Norway. The concept. A complete experience highlighting the relationship between raw nature, produce, and the cultural history. Nordic passion and precision on a plate. And the name Maimo means Mother Earth. The head chef and owner, Esben Holbo Bang. Why did I go? Because Maimo is really all that I knew about Oslo before visiting. And that was my motive to get there. My experience. So I booked a table for one. I actually had to change it from two people to one. This is one of those online reservation systems where they don't let you make reservations for one, which which I find actually a lot. Um, but I emailed them and uh, they were they had no problem uh, serving, uh, making, getting me a reservation. So after visiting Oslo's Opera House rooftop, I walked around a little bit. I walked over to this, this restaurant and uh, I was greeted right when I arrived. And seated at a table centrally located in the 36-seat restaurant that's nearest the staircase where the chefs actually parade up and down because the kitchen is located upstairs. So it was a great spot, a very, very lively, lively place to be sitting, especially by myself. There was some extra entertainment. And each dish was beautifully presented. And... Every time a dish came out, it was from a different server or a different chef from the team, and I had time to talk with them, and really they explained every dish, and it was a very, I'd say, interactive sort of tasting menu. And at the end, I went upstairs, and I met Chef Esben in the kitchen, and we had a lovely chat, and it was just really a magical evening. So what did I get? Okay, it was a 16-plus course tasting menu. A few of the dishes. Brioche cooked in lamb fat marrow 
bone, sorry, brioche, brioche cooked in lamb fat bone marrow, chanterelles and sage, oyster and aged caviar warm sauce of mussels and dill, langoustine cooked in salted butter with spruce. There was this frozen blue cheese with pickled black trumpet mushroom, which was like nothing I've had before. It was really a divine, divine meal. So that's my take. It was divine. The ambiance, intimate, minimalistic room in a corner glass building. It had spacious seating, all white, white tablecloth tables. And um, as I said, upstairs is the kitchen. And it's a small, smallish restaurant. It's hard to get a reservation. So it's perfect for solo dining, a date, or a group. There was all of us represented there. Interesting tidbit. So MIMO is currently ranked number 35 on the world's 50 best list. They also have three Michelin stars. It's one of three Michelin of, it's only one of three of three Michelin star restaurants in Scandinavia. And uh, a few weeks ago was interesting. Chef Esben announced on Instagram that he's planning to close down the restaurant and open in a new location that it's time to challenge themselves and do something new. So I thought that was, that was cool. And I was glad I got there in the first rendition. Taking a page out of MoMA. Noma. True. Taking, yeah. yeah, exactly. Personal fun fact. Uh, I met Chef Esben and we talked about that we were both going to be going to the MAD conference, which was what also inspired this, this trip of mine. Uh, so MAD was taking place in Copenhagen and that's where I went next. Okay, so the cost, it was pricey. It was $350. That is including everything. Gratuity, tax, and that's converted into U.S. Would I go back? Yes, if someone else wants to take me. <laughs> and pay. And pay. <laughs> the website's mimo.no, and that's M-A-A-E-M-O. So there, there you have it. Sounds My good. Pricey. I look forward to reading about that on Fathom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try and sum it, summarize it up uh, even even better. But it was it was really um, it was really quite a special experience. So um, I wonder the servers and the chefs bringing over the food that they prepare for you and a different person every time. That means um, there's a language the thing that is. I mean, that's a major consideration. I mean, can they hire a chef who doesn't speak English? And what happens when they have diners coming from Japan and China? I mean, do they? How do they? If they're a three Michelin star restaurant, they're attracting people from all over the world, right? So, how does that experience? How does language change that interpersonal experience with the servers and the chefs? That's a great question. From my conversations uh, with with people, they were the the staff was from all over the world. There were people from the U.S. Mm -hmm. There were people from Australia. There were people from from Hong Kong. I mean, I was meeting. You know, it was an international staff. I wonder. I would assume they they send people to tables that can speak the language sure. of the guests. So that might mean you know that the chef who doesn't speak Chinese isn't spending as much time with the Chinese visitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume, but it's it's quite. They have this spiral staircase that run. It's in the middle, and they go up and down. They parade up and down, bringing the dishes. It's like, <laughs> it's 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 very interactive and, yeah. and fun. So, we'll no see, bad hair we'll days see for the chefs. No, and they get a workout. They get a workout. That actually reminded me. Um, side note: When I worked at Charlie Trotter's way back in the day, and I was a server, and. There was, you know, upstairs, downstairs, and yeah, it was a workout, yeah. like carrying, going up and down all night. So you definitely do get a workout. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Andy Chabot. He is the sommelier and food and beverage director at Blackberry Farm, which is a luxury hotel and resort in the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. I was actually just lucky enough to go there. Oh, did you see the hotel? I stayed there. Uh, I, w I won a trip there, and I took my lucky mom. Lucky girl. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. It was amazing. I'm dying to go. Oh, man, I'm dying to go. It's 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 very special. Yeah. So, well, well what do you want to ask Andy? Like, how, so get I your know, how can he get your reservation? No, I don't need him to get any <laughs> reservation. That's nice of you. <laughs> um, so 2019, Blackberry Farm has this whole big plan. They want to do a lot of programming around food and wine and wellness, and culture, and art, and music. So the theme is cultivating a year of remarkable experiences. And I want to know what he is looking forward to the most. Great. I will find out. Thank you so much. That's the show. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, can I tell everybody that they can follow Fathom at fathomaway.com and find us on all the socials at Fathom Way to Go. Um, this was so much fun. I was so happy that you invited me to join you. I'm so happy to be here with you. I think we should go have another pizza right now. I'm down for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I've just been in awe of everything you've done in your career. And since no, meeting stop. you. That's so nice of no, you to No, but say. since Thank meeting you, you at, we met when you were with Daily Candy and knowing you all these years and that you launched Fathom and that I am a contributor really means so much to me. I, I just wish you much continued success. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep writing. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much. Um, and thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thank you. So my guest today has been Pavia Rosati. She's the founder and CEO of Fathom. As she said, you can find their website, fathomwaytogo.com. No, no, fathomaway.com. Sorry. Fathomaway.com. Fathomwaytogo is all the socials. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I had that here, too. I had both. I should have just left it to you. No, that's okay. But I also have your Instagram of your own, PaviaNYC. For to see photos that food that I wish I hadn't posted. <laughs> <laughs> but follow follow Fathom Fathom Way to Go. Follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. Check all of our archive shows. They are at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. They are on iTunes. They are on Stitcher and Spotify. You can subscribe to my show and you can leave reviews. Thanks to my engineer today, Jeet, and uh, thank you for being part of All in the Industry. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.